You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Always much appreciated. And I am joined by my host, once my co-host, as always, Alex Varallo. We're going to cover uh, some combine stuff, some some little stories floating around here and there in the news. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing well, Glenn. Thank you much. Good evening, Jet Nation. Football Christmas is almost here. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we get started, Jet Nation Radio, let's uh, let, let's 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 shout out to our sponsor, Alex, and thank them, Miles Social. If you're managing a business and you uh, you need a little little bit more time, you need you don't have enough time on your hands to run your your Facebook and your Instagram and your 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 company website and all the other what's the new one TikTok and all that Twitter. Uh, too much going on in terms of social media, but you got to be on there because that's how customers find people nowadays. Uh, contact Mile Social. Mile Social. They'll uh, they'll help you manage all your business needs for your social media platforms. That's M I L E Social. Mile Social. So check them out. M I L E Social dot com. Check out MileSocial dot com, folks. All right. So Alex, as we uh, we discussed a couple days ago, the draft combine, the NFL combine, is uh, less than a week away now in Indy. I mean, players will show up. They'll do they'll do some of the small stuff, the the check ins and all that, um, you know, over the first day or so before they really get rolling. And uh, my understanding is it's going to be some prime time stuff this year, which I gotta say I absolutely friggin' hate. Look, I understand the league is about money, but now you're trying to make it a prime time televised event to to increase ratings and more money. That just means less time, um, you know, to, for for teams to to get a look at players, at least, at least I, I read a piece the other day that said that the way they're going to structure this is going to mean less time uh, with the players for the teams. If that turns out to be the case, that's a disaster. That's a joke. It's stupid. Um, enough people watch it. It's not, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm not going to go off on that tangent. I just think it's dumb. If that's, if that's what they're doing, Alex, we're going to talk about the, 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 the big names that we'll be watching. And uh, similar to what we did with the uh, offensive, defensive side of the ball, but uh, specifically the combine, because the, the combine is more about not so much a player that you love. I mean, it, it, it's that too. But the guys that maybe the guys that competed at a lower level and you want to see how their numbers stack up, or maybe you guys like Mekhi Becton, by no means a small name, but you see the way that guy moves and you almost can't believe it. So it's, it's like, I want to see, I want to see how his, how his times come in versus the other guys and and is he really as quick as he looks for a man who weighs 370 um so so we'll 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 jump right into that alex but but first alex controversy out of florin park always controversy out of florin park alex (laughs) Le'Veon bell uh got into the leftover cupcakes from tim hightower's failed free agency (laughs) bid as you know the jets offered tim hightower uh, like $15 million a year and some birthday cupcakes. He didn't take the money or the cupcakes. Le'Veon Bell found them. He ate all of them. 
And uh, somebody reportedly, it leaked, I think it was to Rich Cimini, Connor Hughes, uh, said that the Jets felt Le'Veon Bell was fat last year. And, uh, and it slowed him down. And that's the funny thing is, I saw that story. I commented on it. Um, I didn't see the original story. I just saw it retweeted a million times. Didn't see who it came from. And then I, I made a joke about it, the Tim Hightower, the cupcake joke. And then somebody said, oh, is it the typical Manish. Can't trust Manish. And I just kind of said, look, did, just because it's Manish doesn't mean it's true. And then someone else replied. They were like, actually, it wasn't Manish. It was, it was Samini. And Connor Hughes right. reported it. I said, oh, well, that changes things because there goes the Manish is up to his old tricks narrative. Mm-hmm. Now you have Samini reporting it. Um, did the Jets feel like he's fat? So clearly this more likely than not uh, came from a, a member of the coaching staff. Um, is this a good idea, Alex, to, to trash your $17 million a year running back uh, if you're trying to trade him? And... Um, because Samini to me, Connor Hughes to me, even though Connor, you know, Connor was all team Gase this this past, and maybe that's part of why he's got to do this. Um, he was he was big on the the Gase bandwagon um, for the thirty second ranked offense in the NFL, telling us weekly how amazing he was. Um, I don't think they're making this up. I don't think Rich Samini and Connor Hughes, if that's where it came from, I I honestly should have checked the original story. This is what someone told me. That's where it came from. Um, but whoever it came from, if it's being reported by a couple folks. Then it came from somewhere. Um, it could be that the Jets have shopped Bell and realized that what they're going to get for him is is so uh, close to worthless that uh, they're basically uh, I don't know. Are they trying to make him look bad so the fans don't so the fans aren't because that seems to be the consensus on Twitter. Fans are like, better not trade him, better not trade him, better not trade him. So is this an effort to sort of win public opinion and be like, it's all right that we traded him. He's fat. Um, what, what are your thoughts there, Alex? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, having a little bit of deja vu from last year when, uh, reports were coming out that he was winning in 265. And, uh, you know what, if that's the case, uh, maybe we'll just, you know, convert Le'Veon Bell to an edge defender and use his speed and agility and, and all those athletic skills to get after the, the quarterback rather than, than run the football. I mean, I can't believe we're even addressing this, um, but this is the Jets. Uh, maybe they're not a football club anymore. Maybe we're going to join some sort of supermodel swimsuit tour. So everything's about measurement and body fat and and how who's thin and who's fat, and this is going to turn into some sort of great celebrity reality TV show. I mean, give me a freaking break. Um, well, well, I mean, if the Jets <laughs> genuinely believe that, obviously if you're running back and you're too fat, it is going to affect your play. Um, I don't think they're they're saying the Jets are worried what he looked like. I think the Jets. I think the the implication is that that's why he didn't play well. Whereas I think I think we kind of universally agree he didn't play well because the offensive line was terrible. Um, he didn't really have a chance to do anything behind that O line. That, that's um, what the real root of this whole situation is with Bell's you know statistical numbers not being uh, what some people had uh, predicted or anticipated. Uh, the offensive line did not do us any justice last year. Yes, there are uh, a handful of plays from Montgomery and Bilal Powell where they're uh, firing out the backfield like a piston and, and shooting into the gap and then falling forward for, you know, a handful of yards. And that looks good and everything like that. But everybody here knows that Bell is not that type of running back. 
perhaps his patient running style was also detrimental to the uh, deficiencies that this offensive line had last year. I'm not sure. Uh, my guess is that, you know, these guys are bored. And if there are people that are saying these things or, and, and these are truthful, uh, you know, testimonies from, from people in the front office, well, like Dan Leberfield put out today, Joe Douglas needs to get his people all in the same room and put the fear of God into them and say, loose lips will be fired. If anybody here decides to leak any more information or conversations that are having in here, you will be finding yourself a new job because this style of, uh, you know, sharing horrible stories with the media is what makes us the laughing uh, franchise that we are. And that's why people call us, you know, the circus and everything like that is because fragments of a statement will come out from an individual and then get thrown into a story, get completely blown out of portion. And, you know, that's the power of social media today. So do I believe it? Uh, I hope not. I, I think that would be really, really detrimental to the optics of this team, uh, you know, and, and it just basically shows the amount of dysfunction that's going on in the background in the front office. So whomever these people are that are leaking these stories or, or making things up because they're bored, um, they got to go. And, and hopefully Joe Douglas can feather them out through his, you know, whatever his investigating uh, you know, tactics are and, and get these people out of here because I'm done with it. And, and these uh, TMZ and National Enquirer stories are just get really old fast. Yeah, and I just took a look to uh, to confirm it. Like I said, somebody told me it was Samini. Uh, it was Rich Samini, who uh, Rich Samini of ESPN, formerly New York Daily News. So Samini, um, a lot of fans don't like him because he can be he can be pretty snarky. Um, you know, takes takes jabs at the Jets here and there where you know uh, it may not be necessary. But uh, I challenge you to write for this team as long as Rich Samini has and not not feel some animosity or some angst that you want to get out now and then. But not at all reputation for being a guy who makes stuff up or writes unfounded stories. And that's who this is coming from. It's uh, Rich Samini saying that the Jets felt like uh, someone told him that the, the Jets felt Le'Veon Bell was lost some explosiveness last year because he got too fat during the season. So there you have it. Didn't so, he have a detrimental flu and lose 10 pounds in a week? I don't know. Uh, well, that was another story. That was, I mean, we don't, <laughs> do know? we know that was true? I don't want to get into that one, Alex. Reason being, that was uh, some updates from the Wyatt account that, that made some mm. uh, accusations that it was not at all the flu and it was a different condition that was uh, preventing Le'Veon Bell from being able to play. Uh, and really, I mean, no one's got him on a scale. Anybody can say, yeah, I dropped 10 pounds this week because of the flu. Um Bell said he dropped 10. No one knows that. And uh, what uh, what Samini is reporting is that the team felt like he got too fat. So I would, yeah, my preference would be stop ripping your best players. Uh, but uh, this is, isn't this the second time? There was something else. I feel like something else. Oh, not, yeah, not the, uh, that was just the Gates didn't know if he wanted Bell back or to find out from Joe Douglas if he wanted Bell back. So not not the best optics in terms of the way the Jets are addressing or dealing with Le'Veon Bell this offseason, because you could always just shut your damn mouth and not say anything at all. Um, but instead, you give Rich Samini a phone call and say, hey, just uh, just to let you know, we thought he got fat and slow this season. So n- not the best situation there. But uh, that's that's the Le'Veon Bell deal. 
Now, Alex, you, another thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the combine, that uh, that picture we discussed earlier uh, off the air uh, of the, the players, <coughs> excuse me, group of players working out, uh, getting ready for, you know, getting ready for the season. It's never too early. Uh, and the thing that jumped out at me, you know, it was like 8, 10, 12 players, however many, uh, loved that Quincy Inunua was there. And, man, he is a guy that, you know, we've talked about the fact that Tremaine Johnson's going to be gone. There is the possibility Le'Veon Bell will be gone. Quincy Inunua, I mean, the Jets can't afford to have another guy on the roster who's making, you know, what, seven, eight million, whatever he's going to be making. And just contributing nothing. Uh, they got to get him. I mean, he is such a – I mean, and rightfully so. We talk about the team as if Quincy Noon was not even there. Uh, we we just talk about don't have a receiver, don't have a receiver, don't have a receiver. And that's kind of the way you have to approach it. Uh, but, man, if Quincy could get healthy and contribute, that's that's another $8 million where you're getting actual production – Instead of having eight, I mean, Tremaine Johnson's going to be a twelve million dollar hit. You had you had Quincy to that. Quincy's a five point four million dollar hit, and you know he saved two point four. This is all according to OverTheCap.com, by the way. Uh, that, that's a lot of money. I mean, Bell. Gee, I don't. This is why I don't think you can get rid of Bell. Bell's a nineteen million dollar hit. That would be uh, ten. That'd be thirty one. That'd be almost forty million dollars in dead money. But Quincy and Uno, how important is it? And, and how much? If you're the Jets, can you expect anything at all out of him, or do you just approach it as if he's not even on the roster? What's your mindset going into the offseason or going into the draft process and free agency? Yeah, you know, Quincy is a a key factor on on what the Jets are going to be able to do as far as uh, are are we going to experiment another year, uh, seeing how healthy he can be and how long he will last and if he will make it to the field. Uh, you know, his situation, he, we're tied to him contract-wise. And, you know, he could report and pass uh, the physical uh, tests that they have in place and, and do everything uh, by the doctors eligible for this team. And, and we all know that it, it's just, you know, a awkward hit or, uh, you know, while he's working out, possibly he could end up uh, tweaking something. Um, in his back because he does have spinal stenosis from what I've read. So, yeah, he, he's a huge factor on, on what we're going to be able to do on, you know, recooling this offense and, and getting ourselves back to competitive football. Um, you know, in, in my heart, uh, you know, no one is tougher than Quincy Inunua, and I love his physical play style. But as you and I both talked about last year at length, uh, you know, perhaps he should try to be more reserved with his body so that we can actually see a 16-game season from him. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how he progresses. Um, he didn't very much like the fact that he was fine last year for not showing up uh, for a mandatory uh, health evaluation. I believe it was sometime during a military um, day, possibly Veterans Day or something like that. Uh, and he wanted to be with his spouse and the workout, and there was some communication error, and he went to Twitter and felt very, very upset about this, and he expressed himself um, quite emotionally, uh, saying that he's putting on his life on the line to try to get back to football, and there's a 50-50 shot that he can do what, you know, come back to the game and 
it kind of seems like he's on the fence. Does, is he willing to do so? So uh, we saw a picture of him with his teammates the other day uh, working out at uh, someplace called Iron. And, uh, you know, Bless Austin was there and uh, Blake Cashman was present, Brian Winters, uh, and Trayvon Wesco looked like he was the largest human being on earth and was actually standing over Nate Shepard, who's quite a large human being. So that just kind of shows you how gargantuan he is. But it was nice to see the guys getting together and working out. Um, maybe Quincy is going to give it a run and, and come back this year. And truthfully, being tied to him with, with all this money that we have on the table, uh, we have to hope that he can, can get healthy and get better for us because we need the weapons. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's just such a such a big, uh, I mean, it's obviously a big situation for Quincy because if he doesn't bounce back again, you know, if there's another injury, another setback, he just might be done as a pro, which might not, honestly, with all the injuries he's had, it might not be a bad thing. He's kind of, especially because Quincy just comes across as such a, a good, classy dude. The work ethic is there. I think he probably regretted the Twitter thing. I think that was an emotional moment where he did something which is very out of character for him to lash out and, and, and sort of go to social media to plead his case, but really just such a good dude. And, and you, you know, you root like hell for him, but you know, I also look at it and think maybe, maybe you should just hang it up. Um, you know, that's from the, you know, just the, the, the more personal side of, of being a fan. Um, just looking at these guys as people, you don't want them to, to suffer an even more serious injury and, and, and have it sort of that, that lifelong impact. But if, if, he, if he's going to be out there, if he's going to be healthy, if he's going to play, um, you know, you, you want to see him stay healthy and you realize how big it would be for this team to have another weapon to, you know, to, to include with whatever they're going to be adding come free agency and through the NFL draft. And with that being said, NFL draft, NFL combine, Indianapolis coming up next week. We can, uh, we can go position by position here, Alex and, you can just throw out a few names for each position. I'll throw out a few names for each position, and we'll just uh, we'll go across the board doing that. Um, I mean, in terms of quarterbacks, I mean, I don't know if if there are any quarterbacks you're looking forward to see as a potential backup. Um, I honestly won't be paying a great deal of attention to the quarterbacks because that's not. Uh, I don't see the Jets using a pick in that area. Um, you're talking sort of the undrafted range, and uh, you know. For you personally, Alex, are you going to be watching any quarterbacks? Do you have any interest there? Uh, I think we're good. Uh, hopefully we don't have to go down this road for another 10 years. Yeah, like I said, outside of the backups, there's really there's really not uh, not a whole lot of reason to be looking at that, which is nice for a change. But now we go to running back. <clears throat> um, who, who do you like? Who, who are the big names that, of course, we've all heard? Who are the guys that maybe we haven't talked about on the show that you're watching for whatever reason? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, my number one favorite running back uh, in the draft this year is Eno Benjamin. Uh, I spoke about him several weeks ago, and uh, he's from Arizona State. He's not the biggest guy. Uh, he's probably not considered a power back, but the guy is one of those people where he'll make you miss inside the phone booth. Just very, very shifty, athletic, agile, great hands, good speed and an absolute weapon. Uh, he would definitely be, if, if we're going to target a running back, you know, on maybe day three, third, fourth round, maybe a fifth round pick if he slides, I think that he would be an absolute great addition for this offense. Uh, 
you know, and I've mentioned some other guys, Darius Anderson uh, on the back end, sixth, seventh round at a TCU. Really liked what I saw out of him. Uh, and to give you a, just one last name, uh, you, you talked about him uh, not too long ago, A.J. Dillon from uh, Boston College, just uh, a beast of a running back and probably one of the biggest running backs in this class, but he certainly does not move that way. Uh, extremely athletic for, for a player his size. Yeah, he's actually the top running back I was going to mention in terms of guys I'm looking forward to watching, and it's for that very reason because when you watch him on film, he doesn't he just he he moves so much better than you would expect him to move that I find myself asking is he just is he beating a bunch of bad competition, um, the teams that just can't tackle, or are his feet really that good? Is he really that quick? And you know the downside there, of course, is that. I did see quite a few runs where I felt like if he had lowered his shoulder and, and, and plowed somebody over, there would have been more yardage there than if he tried to, you know, try to make a move and go around somebody. I feel like when you're, when you're coming in at 240, 250, just, uh, just try, to, try to pick up some of those tough yards sometimes. I didn't see as much of that out of him as I would have liked. Um, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU, a super interesting prospect, but he's a guy that I think he's going to go too early for the Jets to consider him, uh, in my opinion. I don't want to see them. I I think I've said before, those top four picks, that first, that second, those two-thirds, that's got to be, uh, to me, that's got to be O-line, heavy O-line, and maybe a pass rusher, depending on what happens in free agency. I certainly don't want to see a running back that early, you know, get one of, the, one, of these, one of these receivers because there are so many of them available. But I don't want one in the first. But if you want to take somebody in the second or third, a, a wide out, I'd be fine with that, and then grab another one later in round four or five. But that's another back that I'm looking forward to. Um, Anderson out of TCU, who you mentioned, another guy that, uh, <coughs> pardon me, another guy that I'm looking forward to watching. Played at a you know a, a good program, and I've I've seen the the couple games I've watched of him. At at times he looks he looks like he's going to be a, a quality NFL back, where you kind of feel like his floor is going to be as a, you know, a spot starter, but I think he's, he's good enough that, that he can be a starting back in the NFL. And the, the, the one guy uh, that I, I saw mocked to the Jets the other day, who I've not watched a whole lot of his Cam Akers out of Florida State, uh, watched a little mm-hmm. bit of him, but uh, haven't, haven't watched any full games yet. He's, you know, they're expecting him to check in at around 215 pounds, highly recruited guy at a, at a high school. And, uh, not getting any a, a traction little... whatsoever. What's that? He's not getting enough traction as far as I'm concerned. I think he's extremely talented. Yeah, that's 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 one of the reasons. Like I said, from from what I watched, I, I, di- I did like what I saw. I know I looked earlier today in NFL.com as I'm compa- their, their uh, pro comparison is Duke Johnson. So he's a guy, like I said, he's not getting a lot of talk at all. Um, you know, look, he could surprise. Maybe he goes earlier than, than many are projecting. But I think uh, I want to say Bleacher Report had him going in uh, – going to the Jets with one of their third-round picks uh, wouldn't be, again, it's not where I would think. Yeah, just check now. They have them going to the Jets at 79 uh, with that second, third-round pick. Uh, again, not a fan of using a pick that early on a back, but he, he, I think he's a good player. I think he's going he's gonna to have an opportunity at the combine to show that, uh, to show that he belongs. Uh, some some fumble issues, you know, that that's something teams can work on. It, you know, we've seen players before bounce back from that type of situation. Um, that that's really it for the backs. Um, 
I'm I'm just I'm looking at the list here right now. The invite list There's really nobody else we've talked about uh, that I, that I feel like th- that I feel we've missed in terms of running backs. There's not there are no, again. I, I I think the better ones obviously going to go obviously going to go earlier, and they're going to go in a range where I don't want the Jets taking a back. But that's why I'm interested in Dylan because I think he's a guy who could fall a few rounds um, because he's not you know he doesn't have that sort of explosive home run hitter type speed, but as long as he's good enough to play in the league and uh, as a good complimentary guy, he's the one I'm looking forward to seeing. And uh, that brings us to the wide receivers, which should only take about 45 minutes, Alex. Oh yeah. Could go on for days about this wide receiver class. Um, And and this is going to be one of my predictions. Um, I came up with three predictions just for fun. Uh, And obviously I'm probably going to be completely wrong. I am strong about my second prediction though. Uh, Denzel Mims comes in as my number three prediction, and I think that he's going to be so impressive in his combine throughout this process, as long as, you know, knock on wood, he stays healthy throughout everything, um, and he will be talked about as being a back-end first-rounder, which makes me completely sad because I, he's one of those players that I was kind of hoping nobody would notice or know about, could fall into the Jets' lap, uh, kind of as, you know, certain talented players have in the past. But, uh, yeah, Mims is by far one of my favorite outside, you know, the top-tier guys. Uh, He's physical. He's an excellent route runner. Um, Everything that you would want, tall, fast, aggressive, um, especially at the catch point. Uh, I saw something from PFF earlier today that no other wide receiver since 2017 um, has a better uh, catch rate um, under contested catches. Um, that's a mouthful to repeat. Uh, hopefully you guys understood that, but, uh, Mims is definitely uh, going to be somebody that I think is, uh, you know, building a, a solid hype train and, and a lot of people are going to be jumping on board after this weekend or after next week. Uh, some other guys that I really, really like is, uh, kind of a, I guess he'll probably be labeled as a gadget player. Uh, uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. From Kentucky. Uh, he played, a little bit of running back, wide receiver, was the emergency quarterback, played as the Wildcat quarterback, actually had some throws in particular series, um, and also contributed to punt returning and kick returning. I feel that the Jets are in such dire need of talent offensively that it's going to be hard to fill a, a person to fill in all those positions that I talked about. So why not get somebody that could possibly do it all? Um, and, you know, I'd probably put him as a day three prospect, uh, but who knows, you know, after this week, after next week, you know, if he tests out well in the 40 and, and certain agility drills, he could find himself as a day two pick. Uh, but that's somebody that I would definitely uh, keep an eye on. Yeah, I think that I think Mims is, is a super interesting guy, especially the way he looked at the senior bowl and one on ones and things like that. He seemed to be getting a lot of traction, and and you just you, you do worry with these guys who come from these programs where they just they just heave the ball down the damn field over and over again, and you wonder if guys can do a little bit more than what's asked of them. And in his case, it looks like it looks like he can. And you know, when I go through this list, these combine invites, and I just I just want to see all these receivers. I mean, it, it's such a such a an impressive group. But uh, Brandon Ayuk, who we've talked about out of Arizona State, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna do well enough that he's gonna solidify himself as a first rounder. I've seen some 
uh, not consistently. I've seen a couple of folks put him there. Uh, Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, a big target because the Jets do need, you know, if they're going to get some receivers, you want to see him grab, uh, get at least one sort of big bodied guy in there who can, who can win some battles one-on-one, but he's a guy who's probably a mid round pick. He probably would be there in that sort of range where I think the Jets should be looking to grab their second receiver. I want one of the top four picks, and then I want another one outside of that. Gabriel Davis at a UCF. I want to see how he runs. I think uh, I think he's going to run a little bit faster than some people expect. I don't think he's not a burner, but I think he's going to show that he's definitely got enough speed to be a, a quality receiver in the league. Because I've I've I feel I've I've read a couple different things on him. Some people feel like he doesn't have elite speed. I think when I've watched him, the couple games I've watched, I think he, I don't think speed is a question for him at all. Um, Brian Edwards out of South Carolina, quickly becoming my favorite receiver in this draft. Um, not, I'm not saying he's the best receiver, but he's just that guy. Every time I watch him, I think this is a guy I want on the Jets. Like this, this is if if I got to pick one guy outside those outside the top three rounds, Brian Edwards is the guy that I want. Uh, I feel like he's a strong guy can can high point the ball, can wrestle the ball away, and uh, he's a guy. You know, he he doesn't have elite speed. I I almost. Uh, I, I don't expect him to, to, you know, shock anyone with his 40 times, but I think his, his speed is going to be plenty good as well. Uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, some of these guys that we want to see because they played in smaller schools. Um, Antonio, Antonio Gandy-Golden, who I talked about, is another guy. He checks in at 6'4", 6'5", and, and some, of his, some of the plays he made in college were fantastic, but, you know, the question there becomes, again, the level of competition. Uh, T Higgins out of Clemson, another projected mid rounder. I'm really looking forward to seeing him. I think that he's a guy who, uh, I, 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 you look at this list. I just find myself repeating myself because that's all I up and down this list. I'm like, I'm like, that guy could be a starter. That guy could be a starter. That guy could be a starter. And there's so you just don't generally see this many guys, um, coming out, but I'll, I'll just mention one more. And I think, uh, I mean, LaVisca Chanel, I want to see, I want to see him run just because, that guy's a freak of nature. I want to see what what the uh, uh, you know how explosive that guy is. Not just not just the forty times, but but the the vertical and 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 all that type of stuff. I think is going to be interesting. But then uh, Jalen Rieger, who we've talked about, this is a guy that you know some people. Uh, I did a, a preview on him on Jet Nation a week or so ago, and some people were. I I think I focus so much on his ability to win jump balls that people sort of got the impression that I was saying he can't separate. Um, that's not the case at all. I was just, I just, I was just blown away by the number of times he, cause he's not a huge guy, but man, he can go up and get it. And you know, you've seen him rip the ball out of DB's hands and coming away with the ball, coming away to catch. So I put so much emphasis on that, that I think a lot of people interpreted that as he, he can't, he can't separate. Yeah. Ray Gore was definitely a product of not having great quarterback play either. Um, if anybody goes back and just watches that, some of the plays that they ran, the scheme and the placement of where he had to try to catch the ball, you know, over his head, behind him on his back hip, just terrible precision passing. And, uh, you know, that had a lot to do with, the, you know, his statistics, you know, from 2018 to 2019. So 2019 does not tell the tale of Jalen Regal. Yeah, that was the impression I got. Some of the stuff – it almost it it hurt his in my opinion it hurt his production, but it helped his case as a draft pick because he had to make so many crazy catches. Um, saw him getting open, 
and having to, you know, not being able to get any yards after the catch because he's leaping or diving or lunging just completely off balance trying to get to these poorly thrown passes. And he's getting to a lot of them, but he's, you know, he's, he's going to the ground as he's making the catch because the ball is so poorly thrown. And I had that thought. I thought this guy's numbers aren't what they should be because he, he, he can't catch anything in stride and make a play. So he, he's another guy. I think, I think if, if I had to pick two guys, two mid rounders, um, it, it would be, it would be, it would be Rigor and, uh, and Edwards. Those are the two guys that I would, you know, that they jump out at me as guys who I think could absolutely be players. Uh, you know, uh, Regal and Brian Edwards, I would be thrilled that the Jets came away with those two guys in the middle rounds, middle, late rounds. Um, I've seen, I've seen, uh, I'm trying to think where, where they had Edwards mocked when I, at, you know, cause the thing is there's, there aren't a ton of seven round mocks at the moment because let's face it, that's, that's, that's a lot of work and not, a, not a lot of people are willing to do that. But I think, uh, oh, as a matter of fact, I'm just looking it up now. Just take a look. And, uh, I forgot. Yeah. The bleacher report seven rounder actually has Edwards going to the jets at 68, which I would be, I'd be pretty damn pumped about that. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there, but yeah, just such a deep group. You really, we could do an hour show just on the receivers, Alex. You really could. 55 receivers invited to the combine. That's uh, I think that's gotta be a record. That's, that's absolutely nuts. Um, but yeah, so those, those we'll are the guys uh, I'm looking forward to. A bonus show. <laughs> so I'm, I'm telling you, and, that entire class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, it would have to be a, a, a bonus show that would have to run two hours. But, uh, you know, everybody, even though it's weird, we know that the, the guys who run the fastest 40s rarely pan out in the NFL. But it's just, it's that sexy thing. Like, you still want to see it. So I know for me, uh, for me personally, I'm, I'm looking forward to see Henry Ruggs run. Because I think he's the guy who's going who's gonna, to, you know, blow up the stopwatches. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, even though we know the history, you look at the list, you look at the NFL Combine, the list of the top 40 times. Over the past People 10, 15 years, and yeah, most of those guys just don't make it. Um, it's 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 one of those things. Jonathan Ross, right? Is he? You know, it's these guys yeah, blow up the stopwatches. He missed his whole rookie year, and then yep, played partially his second year. Actually, had seven touchdowns that season. Um, then he got injured again, and then last year, kind of in and out of the roster, and on you know on and off the field, um, because you know those speedy guys that get those lower leg injuries and. You know, some, like, you know, C.J. Mosley, you know, those lower leg injuries are, you know, near the hip and, you know, the the lower part of your body can linger longer than expected. Yeah, that's Um, what I was just, that's that's one thing that that makes rugs because he was part of my prediction. Um, My guess this year is I think he's going to beat John Ross's 40 times um, and run between Uh, 4.19 to that 4.21 range and that, that's my prediction for the fastest guy in the draft that'd, that'd be crazy here. that'd be crazy um but you do see these guys these super super speedy guys to get these leg injuries just that one one more thing that's that's that impressive about robbie anderson like i don't recall that ever being an issue with him ever since coming to the jets and he's a four three four guy and uh it, it's not been an issue um moving on to tight ends uh, not i mean is there a tight end you think is worth using a pick on at this point when you look at the fact that they just re-signed Brown, they've got, they've got their starters in Herndon and Griffin, they've got Wesco. Um, I don't see a tight end being able to come in and take any of those jobs. 
Uh, I did, to me, Brown is more of a special teams guy. Everyone's, you know, I right away heard people saying, oh, that's it for Wesco. He's gone. He's, you know, he's, he's not going to make the roster. Yeah. I'm not convinced of that. I think Wesco can still be a, can still be a guy who sticks on this roster. But um, is, is there a tight end you want to talk about? That's another position that honestly haven't paid a lot of attention to because I just don't see it happening. That was going to be one of my odd predictions that I was going to put in for the draft. Um, you know, when we start doing that, more of that content in April. Uh, but after they signed Brown, I mean, four seems to be the max that you should carry throughout the year. Um, and I don't know specifically what he did to impress, but, yeah, he. this is one of those situations where he's got Case's ear and, uh, yeah, he finds himself with another job with the Jets, uh, thanks to Adam Gase, so... Yeah, I, I think it's more uh, it's more special teams. That it, might like be Brant Boyer. Yeah, possibly. You know, maybe he did good on special teams, and and Brant wants him back. That could definitely be a possibility. And and if they do decide to draft another tight end, um, yeah, then that does not spell well for uh, for my buddy Trayvon Wesco, who I'll continue to pound the table until he's not on this team anymore. Yeah, I think if they go tight end at any point in the draft, that's uh, that's the end for Trayvon Wesco. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I just, I just don't see it happening. I don't, I don't think that's going to be a thing. Uh, we will find out in a couple months, but, uh, that'll bring us now to the O-line. And, you know, again, we've talked about the O-line extensively, rightfully so, but, um, I'm going to throw out, we'll go ahead and throw out a few names and I'll, I'll throw out a few of my own, Alex. Okay. Uh, I, I mentioned them to you, uh, not too long ago. Uh, this was a player that only got six games in last year and then came down with a hip injury and it uh, slowed him down a bit, but he still showed good mobility uh, out in space. And that's Lucas Niang from TCU. He is a monster of a man. I think he's another six, seven, 320, 330 pound beast. Uh, like I said, for what is really, really surprising is the size of some of these offensive linemen and how well they can move because yep. the narrative is usually the bigger, you know, the badder they are, the physical, the stronger, but once you try to ask them to do things like, you know, pull and get out in space or set up a screen, uh, these guys will, will whiff and miss blocks. Uh, this is not the case with Yang. Um, you know, I'm hoping that he is able to overcome all the uh, medical testing. I think that's going to help his stock uh, a lot in this year's draft. Um, he'll have a good opportunity to show that next week. And, you know, if he can come through it, uh, checking all the boxes, he could find himself as an early second-round pick. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be a back end of the first round, but if he slides anything past the midway point of the second round, you know, kind of getting toward that 48 pick where I think we're at, uh, I'd love to, to bring him in and coach him up and, and, and get a monster on this offensive line. And uh, the next player I'll talk about, um, who I think might be the strongest guy in this class, uh, Natani Muti from Fresno State. Uh, he plays interior offensive line, uh, primarily left or right guard. He did have early on, um, and then they moved him to the inside. And uh, this guy uh, went to and competed in the state's uh, wrestling championships throughout his high school career. So this guy understands balance and leverage and basically how to throw big guys around like ragdolls. And that's definitely a trait that you can work with. Um, and, and 
the physical nature of him and being somewhat of a mauler. Um, he checks all those boxes. The only big concern with him is his medical history. Um, he did, I believe, have an Achilles injury. I don't know if he tore it um, completely throughout uh, in his earlier college years, but he does have some, some red flags according to old his, uh, injuries in his history. So that would be a concern. But uh, we could go on and on, like you said, with this offensive line, and, and I'm sure we'll dig deeper as the weeks go by too. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the guys I was going to mention. So I'll start off with him with Mutai. Uh, he had an Achilles and he had a Liz Frank. 2016-2018, uh, the Achilles and Liz Frank was in uh, 2019. But just maybe the best interior lineman in this class. And uh, the, really the two guys, and, and I'm, I'm always weary of taking guys with injury histories. Uh, and that's why the combine's important. You know, and, and a lot, you listen to a lot of former GMs, executives, they'll say that, the medical portion of the combine is really the most important part because everything else, you know, you, you've seen on film what a guy can do. There's not a lot physically that you need to see a guy do that doesn't involve playing football. So with, uh, with, with to me, it's Mutai and Biadish out of Wisconsin. If those two guys check out medically and they're both New York Jets after the draft, I would be absolutely ecstatic. Um, I mean, both those guys. I still can't believe um, – how much Beatish's stock seems to have dropped since the end of the season. And I'm kind of glad it did. And I hope he, uh, I hope he does well enough at the combine that he shows that he's, he's worthy of a, you know, a higher pick than some are saying, I mean, hell no, I don't. I hope he falls to hope he falls to the fifth and the jets get him there. But in all reality, I think he's, he'll be a third round pick. Um, and I know we always, as much, as much as we talk about the tackles, um, I'm just so tired of seeing Sam Darnold, uh, really whoever's been under center for the Jets for the last few years, just getting absolutely murdered from from guys just just coming right up the middle, untouched or just blowing past or you know running over the guards and center that are in their way. Of course, it got a little better with Jonathan Harrison, but yeah, give me give me Mutai and Biadish. That would be absolutely fantastic. I think they're both going to be really good players. Again, the biggest question is health. I think that. It, you know, uh, a guy that I, I talked about the other day out of Michigan, you know, you talk about a, a a young player who, you know, has experience, you know, started 28, 28 games over the last couple of years. I think he started 13, 12, and 13, um, if I'm not mistaken, over the last couple of years. And, you know, a young kid, Ben Bredesen, he's, he's what, I think he's, he's only 20 right now. So he's got three and a half seasons worth of football under his belt at a major program under a, you know, a, a hard nosed coach in, in uh, Jim Harbaugh. And I think that, uh, I think Bredesen is going to be a good player. I, as much as I like Bredesen, I was surprised Mel Kuyper listed him as his number one guard in this class, which I mm. thought that was, that I, I was like, wow. Even as someone who likes him, um, as someone who's, you know, I've been saying for a while now, he's he's right up there with Beatish and Mutai as guys that I would like in, in the middle rounds. And, and, you know, people might say, well, you know, why aren't you talking about the, the higher-touted guys, the Cesar Ruiz, the Lloyd Cushberry, these guys? I guess I'm kind of looking at it. Those I'm not expecting those guys to be there uh, yeah. by, the time the, by the time the Jets are picking. If they're there, absolutely. But another guy is Robert yeah, Hunt. Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, go ahead. Oh, I didn't catch the guy who you just said. No, I was I was going to say uh, the, 
the other two guys, Robert Hunt and Damian Lewis. Um, Jonah Jackson, I'm gonna, I want to watch some more. I, I, I haven't watched him at all yet. Um, I heard the folks at PFF the other day say he's like their blocking guard in the class, and they were just saying everybody's sleeping on him, and he's the best pass blocking guard in this class. So I, I want to watch some more of him, or I want to watch some of him. I, I haven't really watched them yet. Uh, so Jonah Jackson out of Ohio State. So I'll be, I'm curious to see what he does at the combine, and I'm going to try to get a look at him, uh, try to watch one or two of his games leading up to the draft. Um, Kevin Dotson from Louisiana won't be at the combine. He was a guy that I was looking forward to seeing, but uh, he wasn't on the invite list. And that, uh, that'll bring us, of course, to the offensive tackles. Um, we know the big names. We've talked about Jones. We've, I mean, Becton, I mentioned as a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing to see how his measurables, you know, how he tests out against some of these other guys. But who are your, who are your tackles that you're looking forward to seeing, Alex? Um, there's a guy from St. John's, Ben Barch. Um, I heard he had a really, really good uh, week at the Senior Bowl practice. Um, he'll be somebody that I'll be looking at. Um, we mentioned uh, this Oregon player not too long ago, um, Calvin Throckmorton. Seems to be an interesting name that, that that's getting thrown around. Uh, another guy out of Auburn, Prince uh, Tega Wanago. Uh, you know, very, very strong uh one of those guys that he may not have the length, but uh, kind of does all the little things right. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see um, if he continues to uh, improve his stock. I know I've heard and, and seen some some mocks where he's kind of in the, the second to third round range, so possibly day two, day three guy. Uh, but someone with a lot of experience that you know maybe you find a future left tackle um, on day two or day three. Um, maybe he needs just a year uh, to get acclimated, and then he can be implemented uh, in year two. So there's a lot of you know interesting prospects coming from this offensive line uh, position group. And uh, there was somebody else that I wanted to mention, but I can't find him in my notes right now. Uh, so I'll throw it back to you, Glenn. All right. Well, un- unrelated to the uh, the draft, I don't know if you just saw this, <clears throat> and most of Austin you. Uh... That's what I want to mention. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. I didn't love what I saw out of him in the the. I try not to judge a guy off of one game, but I think it was the uh, the their bowl game I watched, and he just he got his lunch eaten. It just he looked so bad. I just thought, oh, I I can't see taking him. But look, I I say it all the time. You can't judge a guy on one game, but that left a bad taste in my mouth. But a uh, little bit of not Jets news, but NFL news that hopefully will impact the Jets next year. Uh, I don't know if you just saw this, Alex, from Adam Schefter. Uh, from his official account, says the NFL playoff structure is about to be changed. Um, under the current under the current CBA proposal, seven teams from each conference will make the playoffs with only one bye per conference. Sources tell ESPN it would go into effect this season. Uh, more to come on that, says Adam Schefter. So seven playoff teams from each conference, only one team gets a bye. That's... Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way they do the playoffs now, but, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. Just thought I'd throw that out there. So, yeah, in terms of offensive tackles, um, Trey Adams out of Washington, I, I hope he shows that he has the feet because I, I like him. Nasty, mean guy, uh, plays through the whistle, um, but does he have the agility, the mobility to, to sort of wall off an edge rusher at the next level? We'll have to see. Mackay Becton, I already mentioned, because the guy, is, he really is just a, a, a f- absolute freak of nature. 
that you look at and you think, you know, if things work out, he's the guy you want on your roster. But, man, you almost – sometimes I see these guys and I think, I hope he's gone before the Jets pick because I don't want them to be the ones to have to make that decision because it's, it's almost like sort of, a, you know, a boom or bust situation. Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, another guy that I'm looking forward to seeing. You already mentioned uh, Calvin Throckmorton. But um, that that pretty much covers my uh, my offense. Of course, you know, of course, the top guys. Like I said at the beginning of the show, you know, we're all looking forward to seeing how the top guys do. It's those sort of mid level guys beyond that that we want to kind of take a look at. And uh, we are just yammering away here, Alex. I I did not realize we're down to like uh, how much live time we have left. We have eleven minutes left. Um, man, that that ab- that absolutely flew. So yeah, we're gonna have to go lightning round a little. I don't, Alex. If you want to talk about a defensive lineman, you go right ahead. If the Jets take one in this draft, I'm going to vomit. Unless it's a dude who falls like three rounds and you're getting insane value, I just, I don't want a D lineman. Get an edge rusher, but I don't want a D lineman. You have any D lineman to talk I, about? I'm Alex? on the same wavelength as you. Um, we'll just cross that defensive line right off the list. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, in terms of edge rushers, now I, I don't know why they did this. Uh, I pulled the uh, the combine list off of NFL.com. The edge rushers, they left that blank, and I think they've just thrown them in with the linebackers, um, which which kind of makes sense because some of these guys really are those you, you get those tweeners. But um, for me, I'll just throw a few out there. Zach Bond, Wisconsin, really looking forward to seeing what he can do. I've seen him projected in the third. I've seen him projected in the first. Or sorry, sorry, early second. Kalevon uh, Chason out of LSU. I almost don't want to see him. It's I've seen what he, he he's athletically he's freakish. We've mm-hmm. seen the explosiveness, we've seen the spin move, but as I've said, it, the, the lack of production worries me. I'm not saying he won't be a great player. It's just it's it's head scratching. You're like, why is a guy who can do that many things that well on a team that's always up by 50? How does he not have 16, 17 sacks? It doesn't add up. So why that is, I have no idea. Uh, Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. Another guy getting a lot of praise. I've seen him mocked as a as sort of late first, early second round type player. And uh, there was one. I don't did. Uh, I don't know. He didn't get the invite, did he? Uh, Isaiah Simmons, of course, they see the, not an edge guy, but just listed, listed in here with the linebackers. Uh, they just kind of threw them all to one, one group. Everything but defensive tackle. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the last guy I'll mention is, uh, is, is Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. Uh, productive guy. Uh, just when you watch him, he's one of those guys, he gets to the quarterback and you're like, how's he doing that? He doesn't have the explosion. He doesn't have not, at least not a, his production is, is better than what you would expect. At least for me, it is. Um, and one more guy I want to throw in there, uh, Josh Uchi out of Michigan. He's a guy I've seen mocked all over the place. And from what I've seen of him uh, would be more than happy if the Jets were able to come away with him. Um, as a pass rusher, to try to try to answer some uh, some of those issues they've had off the edge over the years. What do you got, Alex? Few, and I'll, I'll just list them off here. Um, Michael Divinity from LSU. Now I know that there's some some red flags that come with him, and people are projecting him to uh, plummet uh, on the draft on draft day. So it'll be interesting to see if they take a flyer on him on day three. Uh, Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State. Uh, looks like he just plays with 100% intensity every snap. Uh, again, somebody that had some inner 
uh, school issues and was suspended for a few games throughout the season. So uh, possibly a head case there. Um, who knows, you know, how, how he will do if he tests out well and does the interview process well. Maybe he improves his stock. Uh, Malik Harrison from Ohio State. These guys that I noticed play inside and outside. So, you know, maybe a plug and play for, you know, a possibly – Four three base, or you know maybe a hybrid three four, you know overset or something like that. Um, I really really like Kenneth Murray. Uh, I know that some people are a little reluctant about his uh, awareness and his uh, tackling form, but I don't know. I just I see the motor. Um, I see him dropping back into coverage, and, and his eyes are, are glued to that quarterback and. Uh, I think his footwork looks decent, but sometimes what I see and what other people see aren't the same, and I get that. Um, and lastly, uh, I was going to talk about Curtis Weaver um, as one of my guys, so you and I are on the same page there. Uh, and somebody just intrigued me because of that wild PFF draft, uh, Troy Dye out of uh, Oregon, um, being talked about as one of the most athletic linebackers in this class. So uh, I don't, I don't know if these are – you know, quote unquote, air quoting edge guys, but uh, you know, I think Greg Williams showed a lot last year that he can mix up his packages and get to the quarterback in various ways. It's just a matter of what kind of athletic kind of linebackers he thinks that can do what he's trying to implement. So maybe the Jets don't prioritize edge for the umpteenth year in a row and go for a versatile style linebacker. Yeah, I think uh, you know if you're going to find a guy who can do a lot of di- <clears throat> excuse me a lot of different things for uh, for Greg Williams, then I I can get on board with that. But put in terms of a, a pure D lineman, don't want to see it. Uh, moving on to DBs, again Jets need a corner. Even if you like what you saw from Bless Austin last year, Bryce Hall, a guy out of Virginia, is a guy that I'd like to see um, as a consideration. Lamar Jackson from Nebraska, I like his size. I think uh, I would have liked to have seen him play in a, a conference that throws the ball a little bit more, um, you know, get some better competition. But he's a guy who'll get a, a chance to show a little bit of what he can do come combine time. Troy Pride out of Notre Dame. I think I saw him mock to the Jets the other day. I forget. That's, that's a, there's too many damn mocks out there. Expecting him to check in at 5'11". Uh, I, I, I'm curious to see what the approach is with the new regime. Do they want bigger corners? Do they want, you know, are they okay? with? Do they want a couple of 6'2 guys on, on either side? Or are they going to go smaller there? We'll have to wait and see. And um, I think there was, the other guy I wanted to talk about, I, I probably mentioned him already, or last week, uh, two more guys actually, uh, Kendall Vildor, who I've talked about from Georgia Southern, and A.J. Terrell from Clemson, both guys that uh, I think are under the radar. Uh, Terrell's not so much under the radar. I think it's underappreciated. And uh, Vildor, uh, Kimball Vildor, probably, he opened some eyes with his performance at the Senior Bowl. I thought he was a guy that uh, might be sort of a late round, even maybe undrafted guy. And then he had a, a huge week and uh, and got some attention there. So, And in terms of safeties, listen, again, if we're, we'd be looking at like seven-round backups, not really something that this team is going to be looking at right now. I think when you're talking about, quarterbacks, when you're talking about safeties, when you're talking about tight ends, you might see one or two undrafted free agents, but I just can't see the Jets being in a situation where they use picks at those spots. Um, so this will be the last position, Alex, and then we will we will wrap things up. What do you got? 
A couple of intriguing guys here. Um, Quarterback out of Mississippi State, Cameron Dantzler. I'll have my eye on him. I really want to see where Trayvon Diggs kind of falls. Somebody that was talked about as a guaranteed first-rounder, now being rumored that or seeing rumors that he might be uh, in the second round a day two guy. So we'll see what Diggs can do. Uh, Jeff Gladney might be my favorite corner out of this class outside of the top tier. And uh, two guys that I liked out of the nickel that I've mentioned in recent weeks, LaVert Hill uh, out of Michigan and Amik Robertson out of Louisiana Tech. Uh, they can, They each played inside and out. I think that their play style would be best suited in the nickel uh, cornerback role. And obviously we know that we don't have that position filled this year unless if we bring back Brian Poole. So those two guys will be on my radar until we do something with that position in free agency. Sounds about right to me, Alex. That's uh that'll wrap things up for us. We're down to like we got a minute live airtime left, so we will call it a night. What's that? Happy birthday, Jet Nation, for a great 15 years. And I'll leave it to you, buddy. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll use that last minute. Jet Nation, uh, turn 15. Check out the forums if you haven't already. Best, best internet for, or best, best football forum on the internet. They, they do such a great job, such a dedicated team. Um, I know for, for me personally, uh, I joined Jet Nation the week they started. I've been a member from, you know, from day, well, maybe not one, day three or four, whatever. Uh, but really, just it's, it's been a great sanctuary, uh, a nice escape from, from uh, reality, because sometimes reality can be pretty boring. Um, I know, you know, I've mentioned on this show, I've uh, stationed in different spots around the world and, and overseas and various places throughout the country. Uh, it's tough to find Jets fans. And, man, that was my, that was my way of staying in touch, staying up to date and, and being able to talk to fellow Jets fans about uh, a team that drives us nuts. But, uh, but here we are, you know, <laughs> so jetnation.com uh, started by, uh, started by some flunkies 15 years ago. Uh, and it all came together, I think in a international house of pancakes, as the story goes, and uh, it's worked out. All right. They've done pretty well for themselves 15 years. And what was it? 7 million page views and a million posts or 7 million posts. The numbers are ridiculous. Um, so hop on in, join jetnation.com, jump into the forums and, and, and jump into the conversations. Thanks so much for tuning in. That's Jet Nation for this week. We'll catch you next week, Jets fans. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets.